there and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. Um, this morning, um, it's, it's, the message is this, discipling people to reach their world. Now, this series is talking about the expansion of the church uh, for those of you that were with us at We Are One in October, Pastor Simon, who leads the network of One Church, gave us this vision of the church expanding to be bigger and to reach more people. And for those of you that have been part of One Church for a while, hopefully you know this. For those of you that might be new, uh, here's how we at One Church disciple people. It's a three-step approach. The first one is encounter, which is what Pastor Mike spoke about last week. That's the kind of service that we're in this morning, uh, where we create space for us to come into the presence of God, to worship, and to encounter him. The second step of our uh, discipleship program, which is growing you to live big, is grow. Grow is our grow groups on a Thursday where we collect together in a smaller group setting where we can discuss, where we can uh, debate sometimes, where we can begin to go on this path of discipleship together, where we can begin to learn, where we can study, where we can begin to uh, expand our knowledge of who God is, of what he wants to do in us. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. And the third part of our uh, discipleship program within One Church is Go, which we're going to be looking at in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but this morning we're looking specifically at Grow and this idea that discipling people to reach their world. Now, I, I need to take you on a little bit of a journey and I need to apologize right at the beginning, not because I'm going to tell you off, which I know happens too often, uh, but because... This metaphor's sporty. I know. I know, but it will make sense, I promise, okay? Uh, I need to take you back about 10 years when I was thinner, when I had far more sleep than I do right now, when I had more hair. I know. Only 10 years ago. How disappointing is that in my life right now? But um, I, I began a journey of understanding and coming to love American football. Go with me, okay? I promise it will make sense. I promise. Uh, over 10 years, I've been on a journey where I've, I've gone through a phase of four different kinds of people. Like, I've, I've became four different kinds of people. And, uh, and I believe that actually this links really well to our discipleship process as well. Uh, I explained this to Ed when, in the pre-meeting. He went, it makes sense. You've nailed it. And he's a head teacher, so he must know what he's talking about. Uh, but here's where it starts, okay? So right at the very beginning of something, you become a believer in something. My journey of NFL was I watched a sport on TV that I'd never seen before, and I went, this is good. I believe in it. I believe there's purpose. I believe that there's something more to this world than just people hitting each other. There's going to be victory. Yes. The second step, you go from being a believer of something to being a follower of something. So no longer was it just a one-off that I watched the Super Bowl in February, which is what everyone knows about with NFL because of the, the, the music that happens at halftime. But I began to watch it from September through to February religiously. Like, at the end of a Sunday, what am I doing? Sat in front of the TV watching American football. Is Emily annoyed with me? Absolutely she is. Do people get fed up of me? Yes, they do, but I don't care because I'm, I'm following this now. I, I adopted a team as my own, the Dallas Cowboys, the mighty Dallas Cowboys, America's team. 
the, the Cowboys became my team. I began to follow them on Twitter because that was really popular at the time. As the years have gone on, I followed them on Instagram and, and I begin to follow. I begin to like really get invested into this team. I care about the head coach who deserves to be fired again because he's rubbish. About the quarterback that keeps on throwing the game. We don't care. Move on. <laughs> so you go from being a believer to a follower. The next step is becoming a student. Over 10 years, I've invested time into understanding exactly what's happening. I could bore you, and I really could bore you with some of the details. I won't do that. But I began to understand what the different kinds of plays meant when they're looking at what's going on, why they're doing X and why they're doing Y. Uh, I began to like, invest myself in more in not just my team, but in the other teams around to see what's going to happen. I went from believer follower to a student, and now I'm an influencer because everyone that I talk to, you need to know about NFL, and you need to love the Cowboys. And if you don't love the Cowboys, I don't like you. And if you like the Giants, the Eagles, or the Commanders, I hate you even more. I don't hate you. I dislike you in the name of sport. <laughs> but I've been on this journey in 10 years of becoming somebody that is a disciple of American football. And I know that maybe I shouldn't be, but that's part of my life. That's part of how I relax. That's part of what I enjoy. It's part of how I gain energy. I, like literally last night, there were two games on, and this morning when I was getting ready, I should have been reading Mike's notes. I wasn't. I was watching the highlights of the game that was on last night. And let me tell you, it was excellent. If you have some time, go and watch. <laughs> Tonight, there are three games on. I'll watch two of them because I've got to get up for work tomorrow. And tomorrow night, the Cowboys are on. And they play at 1.30 in the morning, and I'll still stay awake and watch them, even though I've got work on Tuesday because I'm invested. And most people in this room right now are looking at me saying, you're an idiot. Just go to bed. <laughs> but the truth is that I've been on this journey with the NFL. And um, why do I tell you that? Oh, Liam, your laptop really does. It's not even scrolling. Hang on, hang on. There we go. Buttons, that works. We're good. So, yes, I've been on that journey with American football. But the truth is that since I was four years old, I've been on that journey in my life as a Christian. Um... I became a believer in something because I spent time around church and my parents took me and I, I saw the difference that it made in their life. So something stirred in me that began to help me and make me believe in it. Uh, that belief became something more to me as I got a little bit older and I began to follow myself. It was no longer because my parents dragged me to church, but I had a relationship with Jesus that I wanted to follow, right? Uh, I became a student of it as I got older and realized actually this is far more to me than just a thing. I began to spend time like, studying what the Bible says about situations. I began to really dive into what God was trying to speak to in my life. And the more that I began to learn about God, the more I began to want other people to know about it. And I became an influencer. And I know that many of you have been on this journey too. And you're still on this journey, which is why really we gather here on a Sunday morning together. But the truth is that you, your journey of discipleship isn't just about you doing this journey. It's about us going and making a difference and helping other people join this journey too. Matthew 28 verse 19 is literally the call for every single one of us. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And the truth is that you're not going to be able to do that if you're not a follower, if you're not a believer, if you're not a student. 
definitely not going to be able to do that if you're not willing to try and influence other people in what you believe too, right? Does that make sense? And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the best example of what it is to disciple other people. Obviously, that's got to be Jesus. I hope that's obvious. And if it's not, let me put four reasons forward as to why Jesus was the best discipler of people. And uh, I'd love to tell you that I'd spent loads of time, like I've already said, this is Mike's work. But he wrote it so well that I genuinely think that I understand this a little bit better. So are you happy to go on this journey with me? Yeah. Cool. There are four ways, the top four ways that Jesus discipled people. Number one, he called them. It's going to come up on the screen behind me. In Matthew 4, verse 18 to 22, it says this. And it's the, oh, that's not it. Uh, it's the very first time that Jesus called disciples to follow him. It says, uh, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Side note, as my brain works. If I just walked away from my job because someone said, come and follow me, my boss would be fuming. <laughs> Especially if I was in the middle of a job and just left the van with like a digger on the back of it, he would be absolutely raging. Imagine their boss, what he must have been thinking when Jesus said, come follow me, and they went, yeah, cool, we're off. <laughs> like I say, just the way my brain works. Uh, verse 21, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Crikey me, not just their boss, but their dad as well. <laughs> Here's the thing about discipleship. Every disciple has this in common. Jesus doesn't care if you're qualified or not, he's going to call you. If you're a disciple, he's called you. And, and for those of you that know this, like you'll be like, yeah, duh. But for when I first realized this, this changed my world, and hopefully it, it might shape something in you too. Um, the disciples that we know of, Jesus' 12 disciples, they were the outcasts of the studious people. So in, in Hebrew, in the way that the Hebrews worked, in the way that the Jewish system works, like, boys would be taught from a very young age. And at the age of about 12, the rabbis would then go, you're not studious enough, off you go. Uh, you're not really grasping this, so I need you to disappear. And what that means in, when, we think, when I think about this is that the guys that Jesus called to be his disciples were the thick ones. The thick ones. They were the ones that people had looked at and gone, you're not clever enough to understand this, so go and do your father's work. These guys weren't fishermen because they loved fishing. They were fishermen because their dad was a fisherman first. And, and what happens when you get kicked out of the rabbi's studies is you go and do what your dad does. So Jesus doesn't look at you and say, oh, great, you're qualified to be a teacher, therefore teach. He looks at you and says, I'm calling you to be a teacher, therefore teach. He doesn't look at you and says, you're the very best person in this world, therefore I want you to be a follower of me. No, no, no. He says, I see in you that you can be the very best person, so come and follow me. And I know that we've spoken this a few times in this church specifically, but this morning, if that's you feeling like you're unqualified to follow Jesus, stop. Stop it. Because he doesn't care. He, he does, but he doesn't. 
He cares that you've got a history and he wants to set you free from that, but he doesn't care that it's going to hold you back. He cares that you then lay it down and follow him, okay? And this morning, he's calling you, and we all have that in common. He already knew them. He knew every person. He knows every person. In Jeremiah 1, verse 5, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart, and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. It wasn't a surprise to him that he called fishermen forward. It's not a surprise to him the way that you turn up on a Sunday morning. He still loves you. He knew you far, he knew you longer before your parents knew you. So it's not a surprise. When you screw up, he's like, oh, shocker. <laughs> but the best bit about that is when you come back to him, he says, I know, come to me. Uh, his call was for a purpose. It's not an accident, the group of people you've been called to. Like I say, his disciples were made up of fishermen, um, thickos. <laughs> and then when you look at the rest of the people that he began to call to him, he called the tax collectors, the people that were hated. He called the man that persecuted Christians, being Paul. He doesn't care what your history is. He doesn't care where you come from. He cares where you're going. They left their nets. The fishermen literally walked away from their jobs. So, so here's, here's what the call to that is for us. Strive towards what he's called you to, not what he's called you from. He's called you to him. Strive towards him. He's not called you into where you've been before. Here's what it says in Philippians 3 verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I know you look at me regularly and think you've got it all together. No? <laughs> but aren't you glad that this isn't our finish point? We've got so much better to come. And so I've, I'm nowhere near the very best that I can be. I know that. But what I strive for daily is to be better for him. I strive closer to Jesus. I spend more time with him that I might be more like him. And, and that's what the call of discipleship is for us. And that's why we do church. The purpose of church and discipleship is to create an environment where calling can become surer. So you can come here on a Sunday, you can come to Grow Groups, and you can begin to discuss what God's doing in you, that you would begin to become more certain of that which he's called you to. And hopefully we get to be a part of reaffirming that in you. That's what we want to do. Number one, he called them. Number two, he gave them quality time. Um, there's a picture that's going to come up, if you don't mind, please. I, that's really cheesy, isn't it? <laughs> and Mike sent me an email with that one, and I was like, what on earth are you going to get out of this? Here, here's what this represents, okay? And I know it's a load of rubbish, really, but when you think of the way that most people did discipleship in those days, it was very similar to this. I hate that kind of idea, but it was maybe sat around with notepad and paper or tablets or whatever they would have used at that point. <laughs> Imagine them on iPads. <laughs> Discipleship for a long time looks like one man at the front thinking he knew it all and telling everybody else what he already knew. Jesus completely rocked the boat when he, he took that apart and said, hey, I don't care what you know, come and join me for a drink and some food. And he spent time with them. He spent quality time with his disciples, and they got quality time with him too. Uh, Mike wrote this, and I quite like it. He didn't leave them DVD courses. He didn't give them the internet. He didn't zoom them into visions. He spent time with them in person. He influenced the disciples by doing life 
with them. And that way they picked up his beliefs, his values, his priorities, his methods, his thinking, his heart, his skills, everything. What's the best way of learning the way that somebody works? By literally shadowing them as much as you possibly can. The disciples got three years of being on Jesus' hip. Imagine what they'd have learned in that time. I'm very jealous of that. I am, but then there's more that comes with that than just those things. So what do we do in church? We, we're not here to take over your life because that's not going to change anything. But the thing that's going to change your life in discipleship is quality time with Jesus. You can spend quality time with me. Great, but you're going to pick up habits of me. And most of my habits are pretty bad. I speed. I get frustrated. Don't do any of those things because it's going to wind you up in trouble. Be more like Jesus. Spend time with him. Like your everyday relationship with Jesus is what's going to grow you and make you better. Quality time with him. You okay there? The picture. This is what I attain to look like. My mind is, no, stop it. Number three, Jesus asked them searching questions. Here's some examples of that. In Luke 9, 18 to 20, Jesus asked the question, who do you say that I am? And the disciples' response was, well, some say that you're Moses, and some say, and Jesus said, no, 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 I don't care what they say, who do you say that I am? He was asking very deep searching questions. Uh, The second question, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Well, yes. Imagine if a disciple said, no, Jesus would be like, right, jog on. (laughs) He probably wouldn't. He'd probably be very gracious and say, well, let me show you. Uh, But he was asking that searching question. Uh, He asked, how many basketfuls did you pick up in Mark 8.20? I think that's the story of the five loaves and two fish. And then Jesus said, if I fed them, like, what have you got left over? Is that not a good example of my provision for you? Uh, Luke 8.25, Jesus asked, where is your faith? Ouch. The Savior's asking, where's your faith? You're in trouble. I don't know if you've ever been in church and someone's come to you and asked you what feels like a really deep searching question. Like they're really plunging in, trying to find something out. And you're like, why are you asking me that? Like, Who are you to ask me? Why, why should I tell you that? The truth is that in discipleship, people are going to ask you searching questions. If people ask you, how's, how's your relationship with Jesus going? You better believe that they're interested in how your relationship with Jesus is going. And there's probably more to their question. That's okay if you trust them. When Pastor Mike asks me deep searching questions, I don't stand there and go, how dare you ask me? Because I've trusted him to disciple me to become better. And, and so... Like Jesus, he asks us searching questions. When you spend time with him and you feel that prod in an area that you've been like neglecting or that you know is wrong, there's a reason he's asking it. Because number one, he wants you to think about it. And number two, he wants you to change your ways. So as a disciple of Jesus, be ready for those searching questions to be asked of you, whether that be from him in your relationship or from somebody that you trust, your leaders. Those searching questions are going to help you become a better disciple of Jesus. And church creates space for those heart conversations to happen. 
So I wonder if you've ever been in a conversation with a friend from church and they ask you what your dream is. And who knows that as English people, it's really hard to talk about dreams because we don't like to think too far in the future. We don't like to big ourselves up too much. We don't want to make ourselves out to be bigger than we think we are. But have you ever been asked what your dream really is? And they go, no, 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 I don't mean like that. I mean, what's your, what's your dream? What is it that God's doing in you? We're asking those questions because we want to then help you on that journey. One of my biggest dreams is to go and plant a church somewhere else. I love this church and I love you. I do. But my dream is to go elsewhere and plant a church. So if ever you see me and you think I'm just like, I'm cruising, come and ask me, where are you at with your dream? And if I don't tell you honestly, then slap me around the head and say, no, 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 tell me honestly. <laughs> but also, if I'm letting you ask me those questions, please let me ask you those questions. It's, it's not because I want to call you out. It's not because I want to make you look silly. It's because I genuinely care. And because ultimately, if I know that, I'm going to begin to start praying into that for you as well. Like, God, would you give them the wisdom to get to that point? Would you help them? Would you give them the means? Because who knows that most of our dreams can't happen, especially in the climate that we live in today, because it's too expensive. It's not the right time. Oh, they wouldn't let us do that. Well, sure, but if it's a God-given dream, then he'll make the way, right? So Jesus called them, gave them quality time. He asked them searching questions, and finally he set them up. Not to fail, but to succeed. Have you ever been asked to do something by someone and you thought, the only reason you're asking me to do that is so that I look silly? Have you ever been asked to do something on this stage and you've looked at us and gone, don't be stupid, I can't speak in front of people. I'm going to make a fool of myself. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever been asked to go out somewhere as part of church and do something that's out of your comfort zone? And you've looked at the leader that asked you and gone, you want me to do what? You want us to turn this place into a little warehouse full of clothes and toys for people to buy at Christmas. Don't be stupid. That's not going to work. You want us to put on two Christmas services? We'll never fill those. You want me to go to Poland? <laughs> those opportunities are there to grow us. They're there to make us bigger and better. And, and in this journey, it will help us become better disciples. In Matthew 14, there's a story where Jesus asked the disciples to go and feed the people. Not because he thinks the disciples can provide, but because he wants to see them step out in faith. In Luke 10, there's a story where Jesus sends 72 people as lambs into those that are in need of help. Why could Jesus not do it? He could. But he wanted other people to go too. He didn't send them out knowing that they were going to fail. He sent them out knowing there was opportunity for them to fly and to succeed. And so when we ask you to do stuff, if we ask you to do stuff, it's not because we want to see you fall flat on your face. <laughs> Joke's going through my head. Even though that might be really funny. <laughs> we're not asking you to go do something because you'll fall flat on your face. We're asking you to go do something because we believe you will fly and be the very best at it. Many of you all know that I'm doing the ministry and training course where I'm, I'm learning to be a pastor. I'm not the studious kind of person. The assignments are the worst bit of it for me. And if I was really cynical, I'd look at Mike and say, you're only asking me to do this so I fail. But the truth is that he sees more to me than that. Mm -hmm. 
And so he's asked me to do this because he knows that that'll be a struggle and it'll be testing for me, but because I can fly, I'm doing it. And church is the best place for you to step out. We have opportunities in serving on a Sunday. You can be a part of any of our teams and it's opportunity for you to fly. In fact, we need people on our teams, but that's for another time, not for right now. Uh, there are opportunities for missions. Like I mentioned, Poland. We run short-term mission trips regularly as a church. We've got relationships with churches in the Philippines. That's a very different culture, right? We've got churches as part of our network in Zimbabwe. There's opportunity to go on mission to Zimbabwe. That's cool. Uh, to Austria, to Poland, to Italy. Uh, in 2020, we were supposed to send 20 teams to 20 locations on 20 different missions. We were going to go to the US, to Chile, to Argentina, Barbados. That's not a bad mission, is it? <laughs> I wasn't asked to lead that one. That was disappointing. <laughs> but there is opportunity time and time again and throughout everything that we do where you can step out, not so that you fail, but so that you fly. And so that you can begin to continue on your journey of discipleship. How did Jesus grow disciples? He called them. He gave them quality time. He asked them searching questions and he set them up. And that's what we strive to do in our grow process in discipling you as part of our discipleship program within this church. And here's how we're going to finish. Um, I think too often we think of discipleship as having a start point and an end point. Like I started in here and my goal is to reach here. And and it looks great. But the reality of discipleship is it's not linear, it's cyclical. Cyclical. Cyclical is right, isn't it? And goes round and round. So um, I've been a Christian for a lot of years, apparently. 26 years? Crazy. I find myself time and time again back at the point where I started. Not that I don't know, but just that I'm in the same, similar kind of positions. I find myself tripping over the same things that I tripped over when I was 12, 13, 14. Uh, I find myself getting caught up in the wrong things like I did when I was 16, 17, 18. I find myself coming back to the point of feeling insecure. Those same insecurities as when I was 24. I find myself back at the same point again. And I don't know about you, but I find myself getting so frustrated by it. Like, have I not learned? Have I, did I not conquer that issue all those years ago? And the truth is that yes, I did, but I find myself in a different position facing the same problem. So when I was 18, I, I faced something and I dealt with it, or I thought I dealt with it really well. Now when I face it, I go, it's not gonna take me three years to get this right because I learned how to do it back then. Does that make sense? Yeah? yeah? And, and I, I wonder for you where you find yourself right now on this cycle of discipleship. Are you finding yourself right back at the beginning point again going, I'm not good enough, God can't use me, I've messed up again. Rah. Do you find yourself in a place going, right, I, I know God's called me, now I've got to find where I fit again. Do you find yourself in a position saying, I found where I fit, now I just need to be really comfortable doing it? Or do you find yourself in a place, and this is where we all want to be, where we're absolutely thriving in what we're doing, right? Not to predict and prophesy doom and gloom over you, but there will be a time where you find yourself back in this point again going, oh my goodness, I messed up, Jesus, I need you again. And that's okay, because it's a cycle. But the point of it is that we don't get stuck 
in one point, we keep on moving. We keep on going round and round this cycle and saying, every time that we get back to it, Jesus is about you, Jesus is about you, Jesus is about you. So I wonder, where are you on that discipleship program right now? Where are you in your cycle? And for some of you this morning, you might be sat here thinking, I hear you, but I don't understand what you're saying. Hey, that's cool. Somebody like this, this morning could be an opportunity where you really begin this journey with Jesus, this journey of discipleship. And, uh, and we'd love to begin that journey with you today. Um, but, but that's where we're at. If we're going to expand as church, which is what our dream is, what our vision is, then we've got to learn to encounter God, which is what Pastor Mike spoke about last week. We've got to make sure that we're looking out for the go opportunities, which is what we're going to be talking about in a few weeks' time. But we've got to make sure that we're on this discipleship program too. Because discipleship is about helping other people become who they're supposed to be. It's about you helping yourself become who you're supposed to be through the power of Jesus. Advanda going to come up and join me. I'm going to give Liam his laptop back. For those of you that couldn't see, the laptop genuinely almost fell over. But here's how we're going to finish this morning. And um, there are way too many of you in this room for me to be able to go through where we're at in our journey and go, right, you're here, you're here, you're here. So it's a personal reflective moment, okay? But wherever you are on your journey this morning, what what I want to ask of you is recommit yourself to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, I, I, I know that you've called me. I know that you've called me out of where I was to be better for you. And you've called me to a greater purpose. And this morning, wherever you find yourself on this cycle of discipleship, there is opportunity for you to... um, There's opportunity for you to just realign yourself with who Jesus has called you to be if you find yourself slipping. It's opportunity for you to just reconfirm in your heart what God's called you towards and what he's asking of you this morning and if you're not already part of this discipleship program that we're doing here then we'd love to spend some quality time with you we'd love to ask you some searching questions especially now I love those searching questions we'd love to give you opportunity to go and to make a difference in your world but as the band play this morning there's going to be some time for response um we're going to go with some personal response, personal reflection. Just saying, hey, Jesus, thank you that you've called me. And this morning, I just want to, I'm, I'm recommitting myself to this journey of discipleship with you. jokes aside, as I was preparing this morning, as I was reading through Mike's notes, um, and just just saying, God, what is it that you want to do this morning? Um, I want to speak into into two of these things specifically. Um, The first one is is the the thought of, um, in discipleship, being asked those searching questions, the ones that really dig deep and feel like they're um, 
like really pressing on what's uncomfortable for you. For some of us, we get so defensive in those moments that like the barriers shoot up and we go, oh, that's too uncomfortable. I'm not talking about that. I'm not willing to go there. I'm not willing to open up in those moments. I, I want to encourage you this morning that those searching questions aren't trying to make you look stupid. They're not trying to make you look like you don't know enough. They're not trying to make you look like you're not in the right place. Those searching questions are there to call it out of you because it's in you. When the question's asked of, have you spent time reading your Bible this week? And you're like, oh, I've been too busy. We're not looking at trying to trip you up and say, oh, you're not good enough. That, that's not what the, the message of Jesus is. The message of Jesus is, it's okay, let's, let's start again. Pick yourself up, brush yourself around. We're going we're gonna to run together again. That, that's the first one, the, the thought of the searching questions being too personal. Please leave that aside. And the second one is the, the idea of spending quality time with Jesus. Openness. This is probably my worst habit of getting to a point where I feel like I've, I've nailed it, becoming content, and then it drops again. And I have to challenge myself regularly with this. But I, I want to ask you this morning, if you feel like your discipleship has just slipped a little bit and you're looking at other people saying, well, help me. Like, how do I do this better? The response to that is get back in relationship with Jesus. And what's really uncomfortable in those moments is when you feel... Um, have you, have you ever had a, a really good friend that you've not spoken to for like three or four years and you're like, I, I need to build relationship with them again? The hardest point in that relationship is making contact again. Hey, I'm really sorry I've not been in contact, but... This morning, this is a prophetic word for somebody. Jesus doesn't care that you've not been in contact for a while. He just cares that you're making contact again. That relationship hasn't gone it's just been on the back burner but how are you going to reignite that by stirring yourself this isn't something that I can do for you it's not something that the team here can do this is a you and Jesus thing where you go to him and you say here I am Jesus let's get talking again let's spend some time together because I need you